you for joining us. I am your host, Richard Cohn, and today we have the pleasure of talking with Catherine Tristan. Catherine is a research, assist, research scientist and assistant professor of medicine on the faculty of Washington University School of Medicine. She studies our biological immune system and its diseases. She is also interested in the psychological immune system that represents our constellation of thoughts and feelings that are meant to protect us. Catherine is a prolific writer with more than 300 articles in leading scientific or lay publications, and she is also the author of two self-help books, Why Worry, Stop Coping and Living, and Anxiety Rescue, Simple Strategies to Stop Fear from Ruling Your Life. Catherine's passion is speaking and writing about how to focus our minds to overcome worry and anxiety using simple and easy tools of the mind, body, and spirit. Catherine, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, I appreciate your having me. Well, it is a, it is a pleasure, and as a, a Beyond Words author, we always love to reconnect and to allow our authors to share the wisdom that they have gained and garnered over the years. And I know that uh, in, in these times right now, with COVID-19, uh, anxiety and worry and even depression seem to be rampant throughout society. Uh, do you have any thoughts about uh, uh, how people can uh, deal with these kinds of emotions in these trying times? Well, as you said, um, it, it's a very difficult time that, that we're experiencing and certainly unprecedented. Um, what, what's kind of uh, sad and also interesting at the same time to note is prior to having this pandemic, actually uh, the U.S. was having a major epidemic of anxiety and uh, was considered number one in the world for that. So having the pandemic presents even more issues that we have to deal with, but it also presents the opportunity to figure this out a little better for all of us. And, and the first thing that I would say is, yes, although we're worried and we're stressed and we're anxious, the first thing to remember is that this is actually a very natural and necessary emotion that's built into us. It's evolved over the millions of years that we have. And it's supposed to help us, um, alert us to dangers and help us to find solutions. Where we go wrong is the balance between uh, helpful worry versus smart worry. And it's never a matter of not being worried. It's a matter of managing it and balancing it. So that's really what... Uh, what my book, Why Worry, was about, that the Beyond Words gave me the opportunity to discuss, because there's so many things we can do to reprogram us, but also to learn to hear that inner voice that's trying to help us, but also learn how to balance it. It's always a matter of management. You know, when, when children are, are young, uh, they, they experience fear and, and worry, uh, and 
you in your book you also talk about um, guilt and and how this has an impact on us for the rest of our lives. Can you add a little bit about that? I found out that yes, you know what. I think what we need to figure out is what is seeding our anxiety, what is seeding our worry. And, of course, there are things uh, like what we're dealing with presently, but there are also things we carry from our past and things that also relate to our own personalities. And I found out that um, there actually are a number of things that we need to, to change, but one of them was feeling guilty. Guilt is also a natural emotion that's uh, meant to help us judge our actions and judge our behavior. But a lot of times we keep the guilt and unnecessarily believe that only we are involved, only we have caused something. So for children especially, they don't have the cognitive tools to work with to try to overcome feeling guilty about something. So I think if we can learn to feel to, to feel more uh, uh, grateful uh, and, and also learn to be more forgiving of ourselves and others, that is the, the real antidote to feeling guilt. Uh, and we need to help ourselves as adults who are wounded children or even to help our own children learn to forgive and learn to find gratitude again. In, in these times right now where people are... Um, for the most part, self-isolating and, uh, you know, taking time uh, to be at home or even in some cases to be alone. Are there any tips that you have for how to avoid going to a place of worry or how to reprogram that worry? Absolutely. And, and, I think part of the the real issue, the real thing that we're supposed to learn from this is how to, to talk to ourselves and how to um, be encouraging of ourselves as opposed to focusing on what's wrong about a situation, something that we can't fix. And I think when we have to self-isolate, it becomes thunderous in our minds, and, and we talk to ourselves in a way that we aren't aware of. One of the first things that I suggest is to tune in, actually, to hear what your mind is turning out. Because if you don't first hear it, then you can't change it. You can't argue with it. You can't balance it. So a lot of times, if we're alone and uh, worried, we're terribleizing what uh, other people call catastrophizing, finding the worst possible outcome to a solution. So my recommendation is to first pump up the volume, hear what your mind is saying, and learn to disagree with it. Learn to find positive possibilities. Learn to hear the worry that's coming from you, but also learn to be proactive. Decide what can I do about this situation as opposed to focusing on what I can't do. And I think by using the time uh, alone that we can learn to go within to find our inner spirit, to actually grow from this experience. But we have to want to, and we have to first tune in to see how is our mind operating and how can we improve that. You know, it's what, what you just shared is, uh, is actually uh, very fascinating because I know sometimes the, the first response 
that I might have to uh, a circumstance is to go to a place of worry. Um, and and I think what one of the things that you talked about in your book is that worry is a choice. So uh, if we if we think of a glass as half full or half empty, uh, the the half empty uh, thought pattern, of course, is to always go to a negative place or to a, a place that everything is going to turn out awful. And the the half full place is uh, standing more in possibility. That's absolutely true. And, and my experience with it, since I had anxiety and panic attacks for, for many years, was I had to actually learn that I did have a choice because uh, worry and anxiety shout, whereas our inner strength is very quiet. And uh, learning that I can choose not what happens to me, but I can choose how I react and I can choose my attitude about that is something that I actually had to develop. And I think a lot of us are in the same boat where things happen so automatically. We're on autopilot quite a bit of our lives. And only by learning to change the inner dialogue that is uh, ruminating in our brains and choosing something better, that's when we start to to sort of crawl out of the pit of uh, anxiety and worry that we find ourselves in. Thoughts have power. And even when you, um, the thoughts that you have can, can make you ill, can make you sick, can drag down your immune system. So by learning that we actually do have this power, that we do have the power of choice to choose maybe not our first thoughts, which come so rapidly and negatively, but we can choose our second and our third and our fourth thoughts. What comes to us very quickly is something called negativity bias. Your brain is hardwired actually to, to worry as a first option. But you have free choice. And by exercising your opportunity to choose, you can choose something better that actually strengthens your immune system as opposed to drags it down. And I think that's one of the things we need to focus on right now is keeping ourselves in a place of peace and calm so that we can have a stronger immune systems. If um, if people are experiencing um, negative thoughts, as, as you said, it's the negative bias where worry comes. That's the very first thing that happens. Uh, how is there a way that people can recognize uh, that that's what they're doing? Uh, I'm sure there are a lot of people that that don't even realize that that their thoughts then create what they manifest in their lives. Well, Richard, that's an excellent point because that's exactly what happens to the vast majority of us, and even to me, but I catch myself faster, I think, because I've been working at this. And um, I think what you find out is your life becomes very restrictive. You aren't happy. Maybe you go to bed obsessing over a worry. Maybe you wake up doing the same thing. Maybe you're overeating. Maybe you're undereating. Maybe you're crabby all of the time. All those, all those things um, are, are signs that you're in a, a bit of a red zone with, with your worries, that your autopilot is, is making you miserable without you even knowing it. And frankly, if you're with other people, you're probably helping to make them miserable too. So I think by working on ourselves, 
that uh, there's specific tools that you can you can also utilize. You can be a leader in your family if you happen to be um, quarantined with others or just help yourself. One of the things that I absolutely love to do, and if that's in, you're in the red zone with your worries and anxiety, you need to do this. So uh, it, it's a five-minute um a five-minute mental reset, and let me just go through this rather quickly if that's okay. Um, yeah. What I do is cross my hands over my heart. I'm either lying in bed or I'm sitting quietly. Cross my hands over my heart and take several deep breaths. Start to feel relaxed, feel the warmth of my hands on my heart, and think of something that actually is pleasant, something that you like, and take several more deep breaths. Now we want to ramp that up even more. I think of something or someone that I love, and I focus on that feeling for a few more minutes while I'm deep breathing. And within only about five minutes, after you do that and deep breathing and then come out of it, you will totally have changed your inner biochemistry. You'll change that autopilot thinking into something that is comforting and relaxing and and helps you feel good. So just this, even within five minutes, changing your inner biochemistry, changing how you think about your life, even for a moment, whether you go to bed doing this, wake up doing this, or do this during the day, just taking the time to reset that negative mindset will have amazing effects on you. That I'm, I'm really glad that you, you shared that exercise uh, because it, it makes total sense. Uh, it's, it's a way to to stop that auto-responsing that, that we're doing where we're, we're literally like on a, a treadmill or a, a little wheel where we, we're, our thoughts are just spiraling and the worries are continuing. And by doing that reset, it breaks that pattern. Uh, and is this something that someone can do, for instance, uh, Let's say before bed, if they've if they've had a day that's been stressful or they're worried about uh, their family, can they do something like this just before sleep? And it's so important because you know uh, how you end your day. Um, a lot of times seems to percolate into your dreams, into how you spend your night. So if you can end your day peacefully uh, in, in some positive way, doing that or watching something positive on video as opposed to something that is uh, a little too emotionally charged, uh, if you pay attention to your life a little bit more, pay attention to the positive aspects of your life, uh, when you go to sleep, that will help out a lot, or even when you wake up, because a lot of the times the, our first thoughts were maybe what we went to bed with the night before, the worries that we had. So I think having tools and and better recognition of the power of your own mind to help yourself can certainly help us during not only these times, but uh, help us for our life uh, for the future. It, uh, it, it makes total sense. I, I was thinking to myself that uh, before we talked today that uh, literally every day is a new day. Uh, all we have to do is look at the calendar and it has a different number. Uh, but if old behaviors are causing us to live in the past, uh, then there's no way to experience that new day in a new way. 
That's absolutely right. And and it's, uh, you know, finish a, a day and be done with it and start a new day. And you can actually extend that idea even more to a new moment because during the day we may be challenged. Um, if we forget that we've started a new day, then let's start a new moment because actually our life is built from minute to minute. And uh, it can it can be negative or it can be positive. It can be joyful. It can be painful. So, um, yes, I think becoming aware, start a new day, and then continue on during the day to monitor yourself and, and work on yourself and talk to yourself in a very positive way using strong and powerful dialogue. Uh, you can actually turn your life around and turn any challenge around as well. So be, becoming the aware, uh, and, and you, you said also paying attention, so in, instead of functioning uh, as though you have no control over your life or no choice, uh, you actually observe yourself in a sense, uh, observe your thoughts, and, and start observing the outcomes that you've created as a result of your thoughts. And it's never too late to have a happy life, uh, to have a happy childhood. I mean, the thing is that, yes, we're sort of the sum total of our previous thoughts, our previous actions, and other and things that have happened to us and how we've responded. But our future does not have to go down that, that same type of treadmill. We are in control. We do have choice. And becoming aware of our lives can can make us stronger, can make us happier, and um, and I think that's that's the the key message is focusing now on what you can do about your life. Forgive yourself if it hasn't turned out so well so far, because forgiveness is also very very powerful. And whether you forgive others or you forgive yourself, it's okay. And uh, the, things like being perfectionistic and and uh, those types of uh, personality traits can steer us in the the wrong direction. I mean, it might keep a nice, clean house, but uh, it also could mean that you're focusing on that. And it's great to have a clean house, but someday those kids are going to be gone with your nice, clean house. So maybe a little chaos is okay, too. Becoming flexible, focusing on the positives, uh, becoming aware of your life, being a participant in your life, those are things that are so key and so important. That, that's very interesting to uh to say, you know, to to literally become a participant in your life, to to take charge of how you experience each day and how you're living your life. Uh, and uh, when you were mentioning uh, being uh, per- perfectionistic and and then having the perfect house, everything in order, uh, but at some point you have to deal with yourself and with what's going on in your life. and uh, it, it, it is. And, you know, it, a lot of our lives are about control or lack of control or wanting more control because we're insecure. You know, even from childhood, we've been wounded. A lot of us have been wounded to, to a small extent, to a medium or a large extent. And so that's what we really want to do is try to get more control. But the only control that we have is inner control. And I think that's how we can help ourselves overall is is become the master of your thoughts, 
uh, become the follow the the leader of your thoughts and not the follower of your fears. I I think that's something that our listeners would really love to uh, have you explore in a little bit greater depth too, um, because. You know, inner control and control in general instead of being at the effect of life. And, uh, Catherine, would you uh, please elaborate a little more on that for our listeners? I think control is such a big thing. Even in my own life, I was uh, raised in a family where a father was an alcoholic, and being out of control was a really bad thing. So I grew up with the idea that controlling is better. But actually, when you look down at things, there's no real control over anything except your attitude. And when you try to control your life, when you can try, when you try to control situations, you will be disappointed. Um, stress comes from a, from a conflict in your expectations. And when you expect control, when you expect perfection, you're setting yourself up to have incredible stress. Um, I want to tell you one, a quick little story that I think helps exemplify this. Uh, one day I was uh, driving up to a grocery store, and as I was getting into a parking place, I noticed a young lady was pushing her cart to her car and was kind of stumbling along, and I was afraid she might uh, fall, that she couldn't control herself well, and wondered if I should quickly park and go over and help her. But by the time I got to the uh, uh, my parking spot and got out and looked over, she actually had put her cart away and gotten into her car and was driving away. And as she drove away, I happened to notice her license plate, and it said, can do. So I was shocked, and I go, that's, that's the attitude. You go, girl, because the whole point is what we can control and what we can't, what you can do and not what you can't. And she is focusing on what she can do about her life, and she's not focusing on, poor me, why did I get this illness? What can't I do? I can still go to the grocery store. I might hobble along. But I think control lies more in focusing on what we can do. And a lot of times we can't do a lot except maybe accept a very difficult situation. But learning to be proactive and to discriminate between what I can do, what I can't, um, how to get some help if I need it, I think those are important choices we need to make. Is it hard for people to ask for help? Is it hard for people to, what was it? To to ask for help if they find I, themselves in a worrisome situation. That's a, that's a great point because uh, I think there, it's probably split. Some people are okay with asking for help. Other people are not. Uh, I was raised more by a mother who thought, uh, be strong. You don't need to ask for help. You need to figure it out. And so I think the, the spectrum of being able to ask is, is an important important thing. Uh, I remember one other little thing that happened to me is when I was overcoming anxiety and worry, I would drive to and from the laboratory, and I would see uh, license plates in front of me with the word ASK and then some three random numbers. And then as I was driving home, I'd see also at least one, maybe up to three, license plates with that. And this went on for several months that this is during a, a 
particularly metaphysical stage for me and um, when I was gaining access to understanding my inner spirit a little bit better. But after a while, I said, what is the meaning of seeing that word ASK in so many license plates in a city the size of St. Louis? And I decided that meant for me to ask for help, but also ask of life what I wanted, to think about what I wanted. I wanted to overcome my worry and anxiety. I wanted to be able to fly places. I was too afraid to get on planes. So um, learning that strength comes, inner strength is uh, what is important in uh, being okay with asking for help. And even if it isn't the perfect situation, or maybe you ask for help and, and it's not with the right person, continuing to ask for help until you get the right fit. That's important, too. So uh, asking for help when you need it, that's an, an important thing, and it shows that you are stronger rather than weaker. Uh, it, it reminds me, when you were just saying that and looking at the license plates, it uh, reminded me of something I experienced where I was uh, driving and, and on the radio uh, a voice came on and said, uh, have you had a colonoscopy recently? Uh, if not, you should do it. And and I thought to myself, oh, I haven't had a colonoscopy in 10 years, and I was supposed to do it, but I haven't. And then the radio said, I'm talking to you. Get a colonoscopy. Get it now. <laughs> wow. I, and so I did. I listened. I paid attention. And uh, sure enough, uh the doctor found some little polyps that he was able to remove, and, and he was thankful that I had come in because they could have uh, been precancerous if I'd let them go. So <laughs> sometimes uh, that paying attention to something that really is, is outside of the norm in a way um, and looking at that metaphysical side as well uh, is important for us in life. And I love coincidences, and, you know, I've had to build in some discrimination uh, against it. Uh, you know, one time my brake light came on, and, and I, I know it was, uh, it was uh, fine because the brakes were off, and it kept coming on. I thought, what is going on? And I thought, what is the spiritual significance of brake light, of brake light going on? Am I holding myself back? Well, then I went to a mechanic. He goes, hey, lady, your, your uh, brake fluid is low. So, uh, so that was one of the cases I go like, oh, it's not always that way. But I've had uh, so many experiences that I think we need to pay attention to coincidences, that coincidences are sometimes the language that the spirit uses to help us, that uh, when we need some guidance, especially if you're open to it and ask for it, there's asking again, that you can be guided to, to something like get that colonoscopy because it's going to help you or ask for help if you need it. And so many other things have happened in my life with, around coincidences that I just start keeping track of them and putting them in a, in a journal. I think once you can tone down the, the worried and the loud voice of fear, and tune up the one of peacefulness and asking for spiritual help, uh, I think then you can start paying attention and hearing and those coincidences start happening in your life that help you along. Uh, I'm a big believer and I love coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I too, I, I think the synchronicities and coincidences in life are, uh, it, it always lets me know that 
that there are no mistakes, that things don't happen uh, just randomly. There's there's a reason for everything. And uh, as as you said, when the when the brake light kept coming on, uh, it it could have been holding yourself back, but it also uh, allowed you to see that it was <laughs> the brake fluid. Brake fluid. <laughs> Well, that was a help too, wasn't it? I mean, after all, uh, you know, I, I needed to be practical as well as spiritual. But um, I, I think I think the more we can open ourselves up to to guidance, uh, I think that we can receive it. At least I've found that to happen in my life. So I'm a big believer in uh, asking for for guidance on any level. And, and Catherine, this is such an important subject. I wish that you could uh, share a little more for our listeners. I have found that, you know, we want to be in control, as we had talked about. We, we want to, uh, you know, have our lives run smoothly, but, you know, things are just going to happen. And I think when you can look at your life from a higher plane, when you can go within and calm that chatty mind, that we have access to help on, on the highest level. And I know my mother used to, uh, she's deceased now, uh, died a few years ago at 93, good long life, was a big believer in angels. She actually, when she retired, she um, she was a, a wonderful piano uh, player, although never really had lessons, and she would hear music at, in her head at night, or it would wake her up from a dream, and it was beautiful mu- music, and, and so she eventually started paying attention to that, and went to her uh, in the morning, uh, would, would write down what the music was, and then play it and compose it, and long story short, she continued to hear this music at all different times, and, and decided that she was supposed to do something about it. So she she recorded it. Uh, she she actually talked to some rock musicians and figured out how to use a synthesizer. Uh, this is about an eighty, probably seventy year old woman at this point, and she composed this beautiful angel music. She called it, and they, into five up to five CDs that um, helped so many people just to hear it. And she was called the Angel Music Lady. Um, and and here is just from listening to paying attention to this, and in, and in my own life. I have asked and, and for, for a number of times just to, to, to help me uh, overcome fear and worry, but also help me with this, any situation, even finding a parking place. I go, I know I can find a parking place. You know, something as trivial as that versus something um, it, that is uh, life-threatening. Uh, try to help me find peace with this. I ask for help uh, from the highest sources. So I'm, I'm a, uh, I think when you can tap into the spiritual plane by tapping out of the physical and the, the negative emotions, uh, the loud emotions, that allows us to touch that realm. It, it's something that I think is, is really important for everyone to, to, to do. And I do something similar, Catherine, where when I go to sleep, at night, uh, just before bed, I'll I'll say a prayer where I ask God to help guide my actions for the highest and best good for my life, for my relationship with my wife, for my business, uh, each of those things. And I think that what your mother experienced and 
and what a gift to the world that she actually paid attention <laughs> to what she was hearing and uh, and then took the action and to create the CDs, to write the music down, play it. Uh, the action portion is something that uh, the power of prayer, uh, people can use prayer to help bring peace to their lives, but also to help them move forward uh, in a positive way. And I think if you really want to to make progress in your life, if you want to dig deep down and, and fix things that are broken or you want to just do better, that it first becomes necessary to get quiet, to to open, you know, whether it's a meditative spa- uh, space or just getting quiet, going within. I know even something practical, like when I was trying to overcome uh, worry and anxiety, I mean, I was uh, afraid to fly and never could fly until I was about uh, 50 or so. And I would go into a meditative state. I would, I would close my eyes and, and just get quiet. And I would say things. You know, I would, I would have affirmations. Uh, um, I am strong and capable. I, I am loving and powerful. And I can travel. I could see myself traveling. And I said, you know, I could do this. I can ask for help when I need it. If I am traveling, I do feel connected to to that inner power. And I think over time, with the combination of of seeing myself doing things, seeing myself having access to help if I start to to tumble, then I think uh, the combination of my own self trying to do better, asking for help from uh, you know, I believe I have an angel, guardian angel. I believe I have access to angels, spirit guides. I, mean, I think we, whatever name you want to give that, by first recognizing that you have access to that, deciding maybe how you want to try to get some help, and then being brave enough to just assume that you're good enough that, that you can be helped. I think those are the important tools that we have to, to access that higher help. The And that help is available to everyone all the time. Uh, it's, it's not something that just turns off because we're having a, a bad day. It, it's always there for us. And, it, again, it's a matter of, of choice, of paying attention, tuning into that. Uh, and, and you talk in your book also, you talk about that intuitive side that we have and how to use that tune in and you know it's kind of it's kind of funny because i'm a scientist i have a very strong left brain but actually that side isn't isn't the side that helps me in, in science and even when i mentor some of the the younger uh scientists coming coming up in, in the ranks i will tell them what does your gut tell you about that you know that experiment don't just use your brain trying to trying to figure things out Learn to to find out what it seems to be telling you. You might be wrong, but you'll strengthen that sense once you start to use it. And when you can connect your heart with your brain, that is the best way to to, to live your life. Is is not only the intuitive side, but also you have to use your mind as well. Um, and so I think even in something as left-brained as, as the science field that we need to to tap into that that power of the heart and connect it to our own minds. It, uh, 
again, going back to the word coincidence, uh, we have a film that we distribute, Catherine. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it. I'm going to send you a copy of it if you haven't. Uh, it's called Power of the Heart. And, and in it, it talks about the, the heart-brain connection and how the, the heart actually experiences things uh, a few seconds before the brain then gets it. Um, and there's an organization, Catherine, that's called HeartMath that in California that's done a lot of study on the heart-brain connection. Um, uh, I think this is something that you, you definitely feel very strongly about. And I think it's wonderful that that uh, heart heart math is is doing the science behind it because ultimately uh, we don't always have the tools to figure things out just yet, but we have some tools. And so uh, I think getting that space into the larger public realm uh, would help to to have some of the the studies that they're doing. So uh, it, it's pretty amazing work, and it's very. Very enjoyable to to discuss this because it's to me it's so important that the, the uh, I see sometimes other scientists very left brain scientists that, that you couldn't mention the word intuition to them but they'll say something like you know my sense of this is that or you know I feel like and when I hear that I'm going like you are totally using your intuitive side <laughs> your whatever you want to call it you are using it but however you want to use it whatever you want to call it it's there and we can have access to it that, that is so true and just listening to how people uh, express you you really immediately get a sense of how tuned they are into that side of themselves um, I I know that when you were talking about some of the tools uh, that people can use in your book um, the, the the word core uh, is something that you talk about, C-O-R-E. Uh, and if you could share with our, with our listeners today um, what those, uh, each letter stands for. The, uh, the time when I was, again, using myself as an N of one, but also uh, finding out how to, to grow in my life so that I wouldn't have the worry and stress and anxiety, how to deal with that, I figured out how, uh, at, at first, when I overcame these issues, I don't think I had a sense of how I did it. I followed a hidden path that I was guided to take. But then when I had to write it down in the book, it, it, it came to me. I knew exactly how I overcame these problems, and I chose the um, the acronym of uh, CORE, CORE Concepts. It's working from the inside out, not the outside in. And the C in CORE stands for choice. And as we've talked about uh, already, Richard, you, you brought up the idea that we, we can't choose what happens to us, but we can choose how we want to react to it. We can choose to figure out what we can do about a situation. That is the power of choice. But once you realize you have choice, that you need to work on yourself, and that's the O in CORE. O stands for outlook. Once you realize that the, you're empowered by your, your, your choices, then it's time to make some personality uh, improvements because what got you into a situation of anxiety or worry is something we need to work our way out of. And I... Uh, decided that the outlook uh, 
part of it was just as important as the choice part of it because we have things such as a, a personalities that blame, we get angry, we have guilt, as we've talked about. So once you have the power, just choose to change your outlook. From perfectionism, go to gratitude. Become grateful, not hateful. Um, a- anger, learn to speak for yourself. Cultivate clarity. Learn how to communicate better. And, and guilt, forgiveness, so important. And once you get those going in your life, you changed radically. And then it's time to take a risk. That's the R in core. You can be a car that's that's tuned up, but you're not going anywhere until you put the foot on the pedal. That's learning to take a risk. And you have uh, little by little, you take risks. It, it only empowers you. And once you've gotten to that point in uh, the core concept idea, then it's time to uh, embrace your spirit, the higher part of you, as we've talked about, the happier part of you, the powerful part of you that can help you through any problem if you ask for it, if you if you gain access to your inner arsenal, that's your spirit. So the core concept was the idea of how not only to come stress, worry, anxiety, but how to overcome any challenge you have in your life, how to live a better life. That that is so well said and so clear, uh, because just thinking about those core concepts of choice, outlook, risk, and then embracing your inner spirit uh, is a way that we can guide ourselves totally in life. Um, I was also thinking a little bit about uh, imagining, and I know that sometimes I will act as if something has already happened that's positive for me, and I'll think about it, and I'll even dialogue with it or journal about it or sit down with my wife and hold hands, and and I'll say, did you see what happened yesterday? And it's not something that physically happened, but I talk as though it already happened. And it helps to seem, for me at least, to have these things then manifest in our lives in a physical form. That's absolutely uh, brilliant because that is uh, uh, so important in changing your inner dialogue but also uh, guiding your inner dialogue where you think what, what you would like to happen, what would you like to manifest. Uh, on any level, and then you see it in, in your mind, as you're saying, and you can learn to also craft um, different types of affirmations. I call them manifestos because you're trying to manifest through your dialogue. And what you say to yourself is so important. It needs to be uh, powerful. It needs to be in the present tense. I I am um I am loving. I I am going to hear. I see myself doing that. Uh, Keep it in the present tense. I am fit and trim, you know, and and, um, dialogues like that, that will help you. So I think all that is important. See it, feel it, uh, be it, and and fuel it with strong emotions. All those are ways to see that happening in your life and actually to create that in your life. Very, It's very important. I love the, the term manifestos because it, it takes affirmations to a whole other level. I, I just so appreciate that you were able to be with us today, uh, Catherine, and, and uh, I, I think if our listeners have not seen your book, uh, it's called Why Worry? Stop Coping and Start Living. It is a wealth of information. It is beautifully written. And the concepts 
Catherine shares provide tools that each of us can use in our lives to really have a, a more peaceful and happier life, not only for ourselves, but also for everyone around us and ultimately for the world. So thank you, Catherine, for taking the time to share your wisdom and your life experience today. Well, I appreciate your having me. It's been wonderful to discuss these things, and uh, it's a very loving experience to, to, sh- to share all uh, that we can share with others to see how we can help. <laughs> 